Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you can see, if you're watching, uh, we have a fourth member of our group here. Uh, we're not the Beatles, but uh, we'd like to consider ourselves a fab four for you today. Uh, I'm John. With me, as always, is James and Lacey. And our guest is an FX sculptor, prop restoration artist, and you're catching me because I'm reading because his credentials are so long. The owner of Tom <laughs> Spina Designs and Regal Robot. And of course, like us, a huge Star Wars nerd. So welcome to the Resistance Broadcast, Tom Spina. Welcome. Thank you. Guilty as charged. Uh, does that make me Pete Best today or am I Ringo? I feel like, I feel like I'm probably Ringo, aren't I? Uh, I'm okay Ringo. with that, by the way. I mean, hey, <laughs> Octopus's Garden is a fantastic song, and I will die on that. On that. <laughs> well, uh, I, I won't pass you by, but uh, anyway. So, uh, the, well done. Yeah, thank you for that very nice intro. Um, I I'm just happy to be here. Always uh, always fun to chat with fellow fellow Uber fans, and uh, and just yeah, great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Oh, absolutely. We're very excited to have you. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say a shout out to our friend Mark Newbold, who kind of put us in touch. So, oh, yeah. Uh, who uh, is one of one of the best of the best in Star Wars fandom, in Star Wars uh, reporting and, and, mm-hmm. and involved with Celebration. He just revealed he's doing the podcast stage. So, Mark, we love you. Whether you're listening or not, you know, we love you, uh, as Han Solo often says. So thank you, buddy, <laughs> for this. But uh, yeah, Tom, you know, before we get into anything uh, for our audience, I know a lot of our audience are collectors and they're very dialed into what's going on. But for people who may not know where they can find your designs, your site, Regal oh. Robot, fire off your plugs. Uh, there is no sure, limits, sure. So go for it, man. <laughs> uh, that's great. Usually these shows go on for like hours and at the very end, just as they're fading out, they're like, oh, and where can people find you? Fade out, fade out, fade out. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it's uh, so folks can follow us. We're, we're on all the socials. So uh, at Regal Robot is where to see all of our official Star Wars license uh, mm-hmm. cool stuff. And then uh, at Tom Spina Designs, the other business, that's where we do a lot of restoration and conservation of original movie props and all sorts of wild sculpture, whether it's monsters or bronze busts or wax figures or uh, gigantic foam statues and things like that for <laughs> theme parks. Uh, we, we live in like a wonderland over here and just get to spend a lot of time making really, really cool stuff. <laughs> it's It's really unbelievable. And to think that you know, you as a little kid probably saw Star Wars. Did did you have, and I'm mean, usually probably been asked this question a lot in interviews. So if you get one of those, like I've been asked this a billion times, just say like enough <laughs> with that. But right. I, I got to ask this one because there's a lot of kids out there who are maybe just getting into Star Wars now. Uh, mm-hmm. People who were kids when we were kids, you know, whatever. Um, did, did you know you wanted to, like, when did you realize, yeah, I want to get involved with this. I'm very interested in, in, oh, in yeah. these creatures and these designs and these molds and stuff. Like what, what, what was the kicking off point for you? I mean, Star Wars made it more tangible to me because Star Wars is when they, when, or at least when I started to see making of documentaries, um, prior to Star Wars, it was the Wizard of Oz. It was King Kong. It was Mighty Joe Young. It was any movie that had a monster or stop motion. Um, or, you know, fantastic costumes or things like that. I was Mm -hmm. always trying to make something I saw on television. Um, And it really, it didn't matter what it was. It was just, I'd see things and I'd want to make them. Um, I was drawing since I could hold a crayon. I I was making stuff out of paper bags. I was making 
you know, the, the other kids would make like take a paper bag and draw the face of a character on it. And I'd try and reshape the bag with like a stapler and tape and whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I wanted it. to make things dimensional. I wanted to make stuff real. And then, you know, you start seeing the making of documentaries for Star Wars and then the special effects and, uh, and uh, the making of Empire Strikes Back that came out. And then, of course, classic creatures and uh, from Star Wars to Jedi, all of that stuff was just like. I could not get enough. It was just mm-hmm. like, gimme. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I was sure at, at you know, seven, eight years old, like I'm, I'm going to make cool monsters and, and movie stuff. Like that's what I want to do. That is and, awesome. That is a rare thing to stick with that. You know, everyone's like, I want to be an astronaut. And it's like, how many yeah. people really end up being an astronaut? That is right. so cool. Right. Well, and I feel like I've hit that same kind of lottery too, because like, to, to, to be an astronaut, you've got to have like, that's a pretty narrow path and you've yes. got to have some luck on your side to get through there. And like, I feel like it's the same thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here doing, you know, this, this dream job every day and working our tails off to do it, but still like, you know, I could be working my butt off doing something that's terrible. So like, I'm pretty freaking yeah. lucky over here. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel pretty cool that I, found that so early and that I stuck with it. And, you know, it was not, it's not the straight line that maybe it sounds like in a, in a conversation this truncated, but there's, it was always there and it was always driving me. And even when my path had to go a different direction to, you know, make a living, Mm -hmm. uh, I was always doing that on the side. I was always learning. I was always absorbing. I was always trying to make things better. Yeah. You know, and it just, yeah, yeah eventually it, it very much got to a point where it was, um, it was either going to take over um, or I just had to stop, you know, and I decided, well, let me let it take over for a little bit. And let's see how that goes, because it seemed like I was building something cool. And, you know, that's now uh, whew, uh, 16, 18 years ago or something like that. Okay. And just have not looked back since. And I feel, oh man, just so lucky to say. So We're clearly, happy you like, did. You did. Yeah. It, you know? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, you don't, you don't sound like you're putting it on where like you're, you're this jaded person. You're like, yeah, I'm used to it now. But when I'm on, on a show, I'm going to act like I'm the dream, dream drop, dream drop. You actually seem sincere that you are living and you're embracing that you are in this moment and, and you, you feel fortunate, but also you worked hard for it. But what yeah. was the moment that was, that like broke the, the, the glass ceiling and, and like, like made it for you, like got you over that hump. Cause there's a, obviously a lot of people, like you mentioned, who are trying to do this or like workshopping yeah. and do something. What, what, what got you your break? Like what, what broke you through? The Poe Dameron, you were doing this really. The, I got right. fired from Applebee's <laughs> and I have no other options. I, you know, <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's, it's like a lot of folks say, you know, it's like the, the 20 year overnight success, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it really is. A, um, it's been a culmination. It's been a, a, a slow build, just uh, uh, a, you know, certainly I, I could probably point to there's, there's high points for sure. Um, I think in terms of, you know, things that were big breaks, I, I would probably say maybe one of the biggest, and this is not necessarily Star Wars related, but I, I've got a few of those. But one of the biggest was so we, we do a lot of this restoration of original movie props and things like that. Um, people will have a thing that that was used in one of the movies. And I, I really heavily got into, um, I'm, I'm 
big prop collector myself, originals from the films, yeah. as well Don't as some say. fun replica stuff that my <laughs> friends and I make. Um, Wouldn't have guessed. But yeah, no, how would you know? But uh, the, uh, I, I managed to come up with some unique techniques and, and kind of takes on restoring old foam latex movie props, things that are like creature props and things like that. Um, and I, I have a deep passion for preserving that stuff. I feel it's so, so important to keep that stuff around and to, to treat it as right as we can when we do conservation on it. I love that. Um, it's so easy to go overboard with that sort of thing. And, and our, our crew is so good and, and focused on that, that preservation aspect. And um, I'm real proud of, of what we've done in that regard. Um, and a while back, my, my friends, Bob and Kathy Burns, uh, who are, you know, big movie historians and, and um, major, major movie prop collectors. Uh, Kathy passed away last year, actually, but um, oh, uh, almost right. almost exactly a year ago, actually. Um, in fact, well, the day this airs, it'll be a year ago uh, on oh the gosh. button. And it's Bob's oh. birthday today. So, Bob, happy birthday if you happen happy to be birthday, watching. Bob. Um, happy birthday, Bob. Happy birthday, Bob. But they, uh, I... I been friends with them for a long time and they had had a, a bunch of things that need a little bit of help and one day bob said that uh, oscar's face was on the floor uh, and oscar needed help and i'm like okay first off who's oscar you know yeah. second have you called 911 um, <laughs> and uh <laughs> my face you didn't call 911 he called me and the reason was oscar was the wolf from american werewolf in london and called him oscar because rick baker who we all, of course, know from the Star Wars Cantina, yeah. um, and for applying the Emperor's makeup in Empire Strikes Back. But uh, we, he, uh, he had made that wolf, and that was the first makeup Oscar. So Bob had that wolf, and he decided he'd call the wolf Oscar. And so uh, I, I went out cool. and, uh, and, and fixed up that wolf for him, and... Um, and, and also a, a bunch of other stuff while we were there. I spent a, about a week in, in you know, the famed Bob's Basement. Uh, for anybody out there, look up uh, It Came From Bob's Basement. Um, also Monster Kid Memories. Those are two of Bob's books. Just amazing stuff. Really, really wonderful, wonderful people. And um, just so lucky to, to know them. And, to, um, and in this case, I just was happy to help them out. Um, but that turned out to be a really neat, um, a, a really neat thing to do. It, uh, it caught a lot of people's attention. Um, it was a pretty dramatic before and after, even though the work wasn't super invasive or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that, even if it didn't, uh, it, it definitely opened doors in terms of the restoration work. I think it showed people in a very dramatic way what we could do. And it was such an important piece that you know, maybe it gave folks a sense that, well, if people would trust Tom with this, um, you yeah. know, maybe his team can work with my piece. Yeah, uh, wow. But more important than that, it gave me this, this real wonderful connection with other effects guys. And, uh, you know, it helped me to get to know Rick, uh, which is just like, you know, yeah. little kid dream. Oh, my gosh. Little kid Tom sitting there going like, you know, oh, I hope one day I can, you know, say hi to Rick Baker, let alone, you know, get to know him a little bit. And then, uh, I, you know, it, it became this thing where you maybe you'd meet some some guy whose work you love. You tell him, oh, yeah, I love your work. And then they'd be like, your name sounds familiar. You're like, oh, I, you know, I fixed up the wolf for Bob. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you did that. You know, oh, it's, wow. yeah, that's yeah. amazing. You know, it was this great, 
just it, it was a great calling card or something. So I mean, maybe that's that's a big break right there. Um, certainly on the Star Wars side of it, um, you know, the the props behind me actually are all from a a, a commercial we did in 2012. Uh, it was a Super Bowl commercial where Lucasfilm wanted, uh, sorry, Volkswagen wanted to recreate the cantina. It was a follow-up to their Vader Kid commercial. Oh, um, and what if you a go to the, that was, huh? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and if you go to uh, TomSpinaDesigns.com, you can search for American Werewolf and see that project. You can search for, if you just search Volkswagen, it'll come up. If you search Cantina, you'll get, like, tons of things because we've we wound up doing so much Cantina stuff over the years, um, which is great for me because that was my favorite scene ever. But, uh, yeah. so, yeah, so I get the call, and it was like, hey, you know, we don't have a lot of time. We want to create the cantina and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pablo Hidalgo and Steve Sansweet said we needed to talk to you. And I'm just like, what a moment in itself. Like, oh, these two people specifically. Right. And I mean, I was lucky to know the two of them just as as fans, you know, Mm -hmm. Steve for for his role in Lucasfilm at the time, you know, at the heart of it he was just a fan and he Mm -hmm. he loved he loved and still loves fan makers he loves people that just you know make cool unique one-off type stuff and i had been doing that since the 90s i i um i mean i guess technically i've been doing that since i was two but you know or or certainly (laughs) since star wars came out but um you know and steve had a couple of sculptures i had done and so i got to know him a little bit that way and uh pablo i knew from um online he had that i think it was called the index trilogy but he only ever got through most of star wars but he would go through scene by scene or shot by shot and just pick out cool things in the background and i was like oh i have to get to know this guy like this is my (laughs) type of fandom you know like looking at the cantina scene and pointing out weird stuff in the background oh the pointy hat guy from the cut java scene is in the background of this or this alien who's walking around outside is inside or blah, blah, blah. You know, here's the land speeder salesman, like yeah. all kinds of amazing little stuff. My favorite is life debt, schmife debt. When Greedo points the gun initially at Solo and stops him, right? Solo's trying to walk out. Chewie's with him. And Greedo comes in going somewhere. Watch that sequence. Chewie is in the same shot, just walks away. You're on your own, whoopie out, you know? Like, and he spotted that. And so, yeah, so I got to know him through that. And they, um, when Volkswagen came to them, they had asked to borrow, I think, the real masks. And they're like, well, one, Lucasfilm doesn't have them. Uh, And two, even if we did, they'd be falling apart. Um, You know, they'd be too fragile to use. What you need is someone like Tom Spina, who's already sculpted a lot of these. Because I learned how to sculpt, or taught myself how to sculpt by making Star Wars monsters. Um, yes. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was a huge break for us. That was, you know, and it was also probably, you know, three of the craziest weeks of our lives, making a whole bunch of monsters as quickly as we could and uh, getting them in a crate and shipped off to LA to, to meet them on set and, and shoot this thing. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's incredible. It, now, when it comes to the, what, what what part is the most fulfilling for you? Is it creating something new? Is it restoring something old to preserve mm. history? What what's what scratches your itch the most? Like, because for for me, just from a fan perspective, whenever I see the the preservation of something, I remember 
like it's very nostalgia triggered from childhood yeah. like the you know the old beat up creepy looking leonardo mask from ninja turtles 1990 <laughs> and seeing people like selling that on ebay and it's like the most horrifying looking thing ever that or like stuff from ghostbusters or something like and uh, or, or what they did with the last so jedi right. recreating mm-hmm. the mold of yoda from from the empire strikes back face for the last jedi all that stuff it, yeah. is it that or is it creating new like wh- which one is the most fulfilling for you <sighs> It's tough, man. I mean, you know, certainly preserving an original piece of movie history is, it's, it's like, first off, you just feel honored that someone's entrusted this thing to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've got, I've got this great group that I've been training forever that now, you know, I, I can hand these to these folks and, and you know, it's like, the, sometimes they'll even surprise me with what they're able to do with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And, it, and it's really cool to, to just be around this stuff, like to be around a real prop from a movie. Is a, it's like an indescribable feeling if you're, you know, yeah. if you're someone who loves the making of films and you love, you know, looking at these, the screen and then seeing this thing in front of you, like it's hard to put into words how direct that connection is. Um, yeah, I would imagine it to be like meeting the celebrity for the average yes. person. Like when yeah, you're, you're like, yeah, yeah. that's Han Solo. He's standing right in front of me kind of thing. Right. But like for the person that cares about the, the prop and the makeup and the design mm-hmm. that goes into that and the work, it's like, that's the real one. That's the on-screen one. This right. is the real, yeah, yeah. I'm holding it, you know? <laughs> yeah, what was totally. your What was your top one? What, what's the one that you were like, I can't believe I restored blank? Ooh, ah, uh, man. Give me a Star Wars <laughs> one and a non-Star Wars one. Ah. Uh, so I, I get this one a lot. I'm, I, I'm going to try and answer in a different way because I, I, I often, so usually what I say is Star Wars one is Muff Tack, the original Muff Tack costume, uh, which we restored also for Bob. Um, that's not the original behind us. That's just one of our reproductions. But um, non-Star Wars, usually I go with the American Werewolf because that's just, it's just mm-hmm. insane. Like it's just hard to, hard to imagine a more important makeup thing uh than than you know something from that movie um how about weirdest i mean yeah i oh gosh they're all kind of weird i uh, well i will say you know there's, we went from best to weird like but they're the same i mean <laughs> yeah right yeah and you know um, gosh you know the other thing is uh, we're at the point we have done so many of these restorations where there are times where, you know, something comes up and I'm like, boy, that sounds a little familiar. It's like, Tom, we restored that five years ago. It's like, oh, okay, that's why I remember. Um, let's see here. You know, the, um, the first Ninja Turtle we restored, which is one that I did the bulk of the work on personally, um, that was pretty special. I'm a, I'm a huge Jim, Jim Henson fan. I got my start with the Muppets. You know, my first internship oh my God, was I on Sesame that. Street. That's great. Um, oh, that's so awesome. And to uh and and you know the jim henson creature shop is just the pinnacle of of, uh animatronics and what they were doing on ninja turtles was so cutting edge um so to get one of those real costumes in hand and to be able to restore it that was that was really freaking cool Um, oh man enoch from land of the lost just because i loved that show as a kid Uh, we got his original costume in um and mike thomas and myself one of those shows that that people they forget about like when they see like the 
right theme song or something they're like yeah. oh my god that wasn't a fever dream that was a real show i used to watch as a kid like every day okay. and i completely forgot about it <laughs> so you want you want weirdest um <laughs> i don't know that this is really the weirdest but this is you talk fever dreams so christine at the shop uh someone emailed us the um it was uh bobo it was dan Aykroyd's weird like mutant baby character from the movie nothing but trouble Oh my God. And Christine was sure that that movie didn't really exist, that she had just made it up in her mind. And like, I think it, I think it's a defense mechanism. You know, she needed to know that things were okay. So she just blocked yeah. it out. Um, but so she, she literally, she like exclaimed, like read the email and just went, Oh my God. And I was like, what, what is it? It's like, that movie was real. Like, <laughs> I thought for sure I made it up. And I was like, Nope, Nope. That's, that's a real movie. Uh, it's a weird movie, but it's a real one. Um, but yeah, we restored his head. That was a, that's a little weird. No, that is weird. So, and that's a, yeah, that's a sort of a deep cut for a lot of people. Cause that movie missed the mark, uh, yes, so to speak, but it's definitely a nice one of those, way to say it. Yeah. It's one of those throwback. It's so bad. I want to uh, like it things nowadays. Right. So, yeah. I can't help it. We're, I can't move any further. We have to stop for a second. I need to oh. talk about the Muppets because you brought it up and I'm a uh-huh. huge Muppets fan, gigantic Same. Muppets fan. I grew up uh-huh. with them. That's what I love. So, uh, in addition to Star Wars, obviously. But, I'm going to um, hold on. Let me, let me just do sure. a little of this. Oh, so, I can't see. I'm too far away. What is Stadler it? Sadler and Waldorf. So, <gasps> so right there. So there's, that, above. there's also a Rizzo and a couple of Yip Yip guys. I see there. the Yip Yip. Yeah. yeah. So the, the Rizzo I made around 1991 or 92, right around the time before I got my internship, uh, I had... I had made one prior to that, and then I got a tour of the uh, the Muppet Workshop in uh, New York City, um, and I got to see the real Rizzo's there and a bunch of other puppets. They, they handed me a Grover to try, and I'm like, "This is freaking Grover! You want to talk about meeting a celebrity? Try meeting Grover, yes. you know?" Yeah. Um, yes. And um, and so yeah, I, I so then I, I made that. The uh, the two old guys there, the Statler and Waldorf, those were actually made for a friend of mine's wedding. Uh, he's a fellow puppeteer. Uh, he was getting married, and he was getting married at a converted theater that had a balcony. Oh and, my um, God! Me and Eric Jacobson, who's now like Piggy and and Fozzie and all of that, yeah. we're going to do the two old guys. And so I did the sculpts on them, and my friend um, Steve Weiderman did the uh, did molds. And he passed them off to a third guy who was going to bake them and run foam. And somehow in the drying process, I think Steve had used two different types of plaster and the two different types of plaster dried at two different rates and the molds cracked. So I managed to just have a slip latex, like reference casting I had pulled uh, of each. Uh, So we never got to do that. What we did wind up doing was we built a Swedish chef. I did. I carved them out of foam at the last minute. And I just did like the Swedish chef presenting the cake and like, you know, trying to chop it like with a giant machete and stuff <laughs> like that. It was ridiculous. But, you know, this, <laughs> is, this <laughs> is what you do in life. Um, so, but yeah, the, the Muppets are super special to me. Oh that, my that especially, you know, obviously Man. the Muppet show. I, I'm obsessed, though, with the old commercials that Jim used to do with the... Um, the industrial films he did and stuff like that. If you ever get the chance to see any of that stuff, it's insane. And it's so good. It's like this, the sense of humor is, 
don't know, there's something about it that just resonates with me. Have you guys, uh, anybody been to the Museum of the Moving Image in uh, New York and Queens? I want to go. I haven't been able to go I don't, yet. I really no, want to no. go. So they have a permanent Jim Henson exhibit. The, the Henson family gifted them, I think it was 400 artifacts. Wow. Um, I actually got to consult on, on that in terms of what they were going to bring in. Um, and uh, I got to, uh, or rather our shop actually got to restore a whole bunch of things. So um, we worked on, uh, while well, the, um, the Henson creature shop and puppet shop, puppet workshop in, uh, in New York got to work on the, the sort of fabric and fleece characters. Uh, my shop got to work on all the foam latex stuff. So we worked on um, things from Labyrinth, Thanks I was going to say Labyrinth Crystal. is like my ultimate favorite thing. And uh, it was one of those, It there's something about Jim Henson movies when I was little, like you'd come across a VHS at like a tag sale or something. And then you'd pop right. it in and it'd be this magical thing. That mm. was Labyrinth for me. I found it at a book fair and I was like, what is wow. this? Oh, interesting. And I threw it in and then I'm like, I've been obsessed ever since. But yeah, yeah. No, that's I can't so imagine cool. finding that without ever knowing about it. Like, I feel like I've always known about it. I was like it. eight. Yeah. <laughs> I was that's like, amazing. Really that's so cool. But bringing mine was... it back to Star Wars. So yeah. Frank Oz, obviously Yoda. Have you worked with Frank? Um, I was on set a few of the days when Frank was there shooting Sesame, doing uh, either Grover or Bert. Oh, that's, a, that's um, awesome. It was, it was definitely neat. Uh, I, I got to, uh, I think it was the rap, not the rap party. Sorry, it was the, they had a holiday party uh, the, the year I was there. I was just an intern. I was like the, I was like the guy who got the puppets coffee, you know? Um, <laughs> I would totally I was, do that job in a heartbeat. Like you're yeah. so. <laughs> I, what was neat was I was like the assistant to the Wrangler. So it yeah. was the best freaking position you could be in. You were right on set and you were, you know, interacting with all the performers, all the puppeteers, uh, all of the guest stars would, you know, gravitate to the puppet booth where you're, you know, like where all the puppets were anyway. So you know, Hillary Clinton was there. John Goodman was there. Marissa Tomei was there. Like all of these amazing people just coming through and they're like, oh, hi, look at all these cool puppets. And you're like, what the, you know? Oh um, my and God. then working with Kevin Clash and uh, Frank was there and Joey Mazzarino. And, I grew uh, up with uh, Marty Robinson's son. Oh, did, like, Marty. Yeah. 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 Marty is amazing. My, uh, yeah. He, he and Pam uh, or or Sholo, I'm, I'm going to murder her last name. I won't even say it. Um, were super nice to me on my first day. I, everybody went to lunch and I was just standing there and I just kind of like looked around. And I was like, ah, you know, like I had no idea where to go. And I, I remember clearly Marty was the last one leaving. He looked at me. He's like, are you coming? I was like, yes, oh, sir. Yeah, and I was so nice. following him. He <laughs> wow. took me to the, the cafeteria. We ate lunch together and he was so, so nice. And it really like that made my day. Oh. And it really yeah, it made that whole process so much better. It was a really cool moment. Wow. I might That's have to start incredible. a Muppet podcast because I have plenty of questions, but I'll let John get back to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, the, the, the threads are there. I mean, you, you know, Yoda yeah. is, you know, via Jim Henson's Creature Shop and 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 George Lucas saying like what can you guys come up with here and the Stuart Freeborn lookalike that we know we know we all know that story yeah. but you know it, it it's it's just kind of like like do you I rabbit hole YouTube all the time for for <laughs> for interviews like even stuff like you know George Lucas on a specific show or mm. uh, even Phil Tippett being interviewed oh. on an obscure 
podcast or something where he may say something that you never saw in empire of dreams or, you know, that stuff. And then, I you know, I, yep. or funny stuff like, like a viral clip going around of like Jim Henson, uh, being Rolf on the Arsenio Hall show and like, you know, yeah. saying like, son of a bitch, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. And when it comes to star Wars, like, I think what's like, we always try to on this show talk about what separates star Wars from other science fiction, because me, you know, me personally, I'm not a big sci-fi guy. And sometimes mm. people are like, they like get mad at me about that, but like star Wars is different. And I think one of the things that separates it beyond the fantasy element of how the story is told are like just, the 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 whimsical nature of and the nooks and crannies of everything and like you were saying pablo hidalgo pointing out all these weird things and, and the creatures yeah. it's just like and then when they brought back like with the force awakens and, and you see like in the first promo jj abrams is talking and they have this giant complex puppet walking behind right. him. like <laughs> oh my god they're doing puppets and it's just like yeah. it, bl- it blows my mind so i guess you know for you seeing uh, you know, as a little kid seeing everything's practical and it was from the nature of how do we make this happen to now today where it's, we can make anything happen with, with digital, there still seems to be the affinity and love affair for the physical tactile uh, thing. So do you, I, I don't think that'll ever go away no matter how good, you know, deep fake is or how good uh, CG right. and stuff is, but d- are you guys in any way evolving uh, with with the industry in that regard, uh, the way like even Star Wars is, and I know you know yeah. you can get to in a little bit. We'll get to maybe what you did for Boba Fett and the Mandalorian because we I just watched the gallery where you know they broke back Luke Skywalker using CG and all that stuff, and they yeah. blended the puppets and stuff. So, <laughs> h- how are you guys uh, handling the evolution? I guess I, I'll tell you, it's it's a really cool time. I you know I don't I'm like you. I don't think it ever can go away. I think you know no matter how good the technology is, it's always going to be cheaper to throw a little makeup on someone than to digitally make someone's face up. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, maybe I'll eat my words. Maybe someday that's cost balance is going to change, but until that happens, there's always going to be practical stuff. The other thing is there are just benefits you get from having something on set. There's benefits, happy accident that it allows a director freedom to make choices that they couldn't make otherwise you know, or, or to not lock themselves in on something because maybe they shot it a certain way for a certain type of creature. Um, and, and, you know, I guess nowadays, I don't know, you know, the tracking is so good. Uh, maybe the whole idea of, a, a, you know, locking things down or shooting motion capture doesn't even matter anymore. It's, it's incredible how far that stuff has come. But I think a lot of people are always going to have an affinity for it. I think even the best CG still has a hard time competing with something that is physically there with the actor. Yeah. And now maybe it can be a more realistic creature in certain ways, but the, the tactile interaction just, I, I, it's, it's really rare that you see something that's totally convincing when there's, there's interaction. Um, and I, so I think that's always going to happen. And I, I think there's an aesthetic that comes from it. There's a look, I, I, I am a huge believer in the fact that limitations force creativity uh, and, and that part yeah. of what made Star Wars so special were all of these limitations that were on George and his creative choices to get around those obstacles. Yes. Um, 
and it forced him to make choice. It forced him to shelf a lot of weird ideas. When you look at the early drafts of the scripts and stuff, mm -hmm. um, Ghostbusters is another great example of that. You know, the early drafts of that script are weird. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. because they couldn't shoot what that was, they wound up writing something better. Um, right. And so that's kind of the way. Jaws, another big example. Yeah, there you go. Bruce, like there's yeah. all, all of these examples of that. And I feel like that's the thing that, that probably is most at risk right now because directors don't have anyone to tell them no anymore. They don't have things they can't do anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while that seems like a magical, cre you know, opportunity for creativity, um, I feel that it probably in the end, is limiting in a weird way. Um, you know, back to, to how we're dealing with it, I, I think for us, the cool thing is to be able to incorporate modern technology into making practical stuff. So, you know, whereas back in the day, if we had to make a mask to fit someone, we had to have the person in our studio and mold their head claustrophobically, straws in the nose, oh whatever. Gosh, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now we had someone that we were making a mask for that was overseas and you know, they weren't their their schedule didn't allow for them to come into our shop for a fitting. So uh, but they were going to be in L.A. for a couple of days. So we had them go to a, a friend shop in L.A. to get life scanned. They oh sent God. us the digital file of that. We digitally created an underskull of a mask that perfectly fit his life mask and mailed a, a printed copy of it to him overseas where he tried it on and said, it's great, but it's pinching my ears right here. We said, just keep that copy. We printed another one with more gap around the ears, sent that to him, that fit. We printed the final and That's then amazing. we fiberglassed yeah. it and incorporated it into the mask we were making. Um, other times we're taking stuff like, um, like the Chewbacca's that we make with Regal Robot. We took uh, a scan of one of Stuart Freeborn's original Chewbacca skins that a collector friend of mine had. And uh, the skin had deteriorated a little bit over time. It had been stabilized, but it hadn't been restored. The collector wanted to keep it as original as possible. So we scanned it because it was delicate. And then we made a mold of that scan. We printed out uh, the scan, molded it, made it what they call a clay press of that so that I could have a clay positive that was a perfect copy of what that scan was. And then in clay, I restored the damage away. And then I sculpted in Peter's eyes underneath because I mean, the most important thing about Chewbacca is Peter's eyes, you know? Right. That Absolutely. is the soul of that oh, character. Yeah. Um, and from there, then we make the mold off of that to make our production piece. And, you know, so that's part of why our Chewbacca feels so authentic because we you know, yeah, we, we had to put some life into it with the sculpt and with the pose and things like that. And certainly the eyes are unique to it, but the foundation of it is that original prop. Yeah, and it was done in a way yeah. that we couldn't have done 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, it was done in a way that didn't harm the prop at all, but allowed us to incorporate those authentic elements of it into the sculpture I was making. And oh, um, to me, me, that's that's amazing. Um, you know, and now with things like our archive collection with Regal Robot that we just launched, um, which, you know, people are going to find out a lot more about in a few weeks at Star Wars Celebration. Or later um, today. Yeah, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> but th that's a, an opportunity for us to take that same sort of technology and to take things from, you know, 
the archives, <laughs> the, the, the place we all are just, you know, oh, amazed yeah. that it even exists. We wish we could get there. We want a piece of it. You know, now here's that chance for us to say, you know, we got we get to put our hands on the real thing and we're going to be able to use this technology to make an amazingly accurate copy of that for people and then we'll hand finish them and we'll hand paint them and you know we'll put our spin on it and give these folks something really really special we it's it's a an extension of what we were doing so if anybody saw our uh rancor prop replica on regal robot mm-hmm. um that was a piece that is in the archives and we high res digitally scanned that uh restored it in digital form, because that again is an aging latex piece, um, and then output that digital one to one in a cool oh, new man. pose, uh, and made this incredible replica. That um, and I'm, I'm patting myself on the back here with incredible <laughs> replica. But you should, you know, we didn't just make a statue of a rancor. We didn't even just make a statue of the rancor. We made a replica of the puppet rancor. We made that thing that you saw Phil with his hand up, you know, walking through the miniature cave as Dennis Muren shot it in the high-speed camera. Um, You know, and and, uh, the best compliment we got on it was Phil, so Phil signed the plaques for us on that. And we sent him a copy and he sent back this wonderful note and said, everybody did a great job. So the only problem is they uh, they didn't put the hand in his ass where I used to, uh, where I had that and we're like, oh, thanks, Phil. Um, but that's, you know, that's a, a really great compliment on a piece like that. Um, and that's that's the sort of thing we want to oh, build man. on. Uh, we've done the Rancor that way. We've done CZ3 that way. We have a Tauntaun maquette that comes right out of Phil Tippett's concept maquette molds from 1978. It's amazing that that mold was even viable, but we managed to get one cast and one of Phil's guys, uh, you know, um, just... Uh, brilliantly managed to get a clean casting out of that for us to master our piece with. Uh, we've got the Gamorrean Guard, which is technically from Mandalorian, but it really is like the Book of Boba Gamorrean look right now. Oh, wow. yeah. Um, yeah. And that was sculpted by Tony McVeigh, who we worked with on our Salacious Crumb replicas. And Tony had the molds for that. So, you know, we have the opportunity to give people things that have direct lineage to the stuff they've seen in these making of documentaries, to the stuff they've seen, you know, leaked online when the shows are first coming out. You know, that, that Gamorrean maquette was the first thing Favreau showed from season yeah, two. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, that's so cool. Tony, do you know who made that? And he's like, I did. I was like, you know, <laughs> we have to talk. You know? so... so you mentioned, you mentioned CZ3. <laughs> that's such an obscure droid. Yeah. Wasn't that, I think that uh, Anthony Daniels played that too. And it was like very, like barely on screen. Like, yep. That's my my favorite kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's the good stuff. Yeah. Thank oh you. Oh my god. Yeah, there's there's one reason we did CZ3, and you're looking at them. You know, like that uh, was hey. our good. Lucasfilm rep was shaking his head like people want this, and I'm like, I don't know, I want it. You know. Like, yeah. Right. Um, and people do love those. Uh, yeah. Like people always like those weird obscure action figures. So why not the bigger yeah. version? Exactly. And and you know you're looking at this this universe that's huge. But, you know, we keep getting copies of Darth Vader's helmet or a Stormtrooper helmet or a Boba Fett helmet. Like, you know, and that's great. I love that stuff. I've got some of that stuff. Um, but 
there's so much other cool things uh, yeah. and so many other cool things we can be playing with here. Right. And I, I, I like that we get to give folks variety and that we can do it in a way that traces back to those original props and that, you know, pulls uh, 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 like a faithfulness um, yeah, in them. Yeah. There's, there's a feel that you get when you look at an original prop from a film. And I mean, I'm so lucky that we get to do this on a daily basis with Tom Sweeney Designs, where we're bringing things from all sorts of films, not just Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But there's a feeling to an original prop, especially an original creature prop. Um, it's something about the level of sculpting in it. It's something about there's there's usually a little crudeness that you don't expect uh, because somebody had to make it, you know, in like a yeah. day and a half. <laughs> um, Are the materials way different back, like say, 40 years ago than they use now? Uh, not dramatically. There's... So the, the biggest advent, I'm like shifting myself around. So just oh, mm, me too. Uh, for anybody <laughs> watching the video, I just made someone fall over. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the biggest change is probably the introduction of silicone. Um, whereas, you know, you go back 30 or 40 years, silicone was used for um, some mold making, um, but not much in terms of casting. Um, gotcha. You know, nowadays... You get a, a fair amount of stuff that's cast in silicone. And, and even silicone's had a, a, an interesting sort of lifespan uh, as a casting medium. Initially, it was uh, a lot of times they were using a particular kind of it that was heavily deadened and, and all of this stuff. And, and some of that stuff continues to act on itself over time and just turns to goo. Um, but there's others that, that hold up pretty well. And, and it, it offers a certain translucency and realism that foam latex doesn't always have. That said, you know, look at some of Dave Elsie's makeups. Dave, who did the, the work on uh, episode three, all the Creature Shop stuff. Um, you know, there's times where I've looked at his stuff and I'm just like, you know, wow, is that, is that a silicone appliance? And he's like, nope. You know, he's like, silicone for show, but foam if you're a pro. You know, it's oh. just like, <laughs> he, he is so brilliant with it. And there's so many guys out there who can paint foam so well that you, you believe it tricks your eye into thinking there's translucency there. Um, oh, and foam wow. is great. And the reason yeah. it's still around, even though it's a tough material to, uh, to keep long term, uh, is it's super flexible. It's extremely lightweight. It is many, many times lighter than silicone. Um, and it, uh, it, it's because of that alone, it makes itself uh, you know, it's so useful in makeup applications and certainly for bigger animatronic things. If you had to do a giant head out of silicone, it would weigh so much that the actor couldn't keep his head up anymore. Oh, you do it in full latex yeah. and it weighs barely anything. It's just the mech that you've got to support. So right. you know, there, I, I think those materials are going to stick around just because they're still useful. That, that's interesting. I was just about to ask, we were talking about, you know, like, are you worried about the visual technology, like the computer technology kind of taking over? Do uh, And then I was thinking, because you're saying that, do you think there's going to be a dramatic step, like some type of technology that comes out where they're like, look, we've improved latex now or right. something that's going to cause something th that would be like, now we're basically using a, like a paintbrush to just mold right onto the face or something. Right. And th there's some stuff like that. Uh, oh, um, uh, I've lost his first name, but Tinsley, uh, uh, makeup artists came up with these, these Tinsley transfers, I think they were calling them, where uh, they used an existing makeup uh, uh, material um, trying to think of the uh, 
trying to lay person this, no offense to anybody out there, but oh, uh, they took do. an adhesive yeah. normally, something that you would use to blend off a uh, scar, or, uh, you know, or to glue on foam latex appliances and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't the most modern adhesive, but uh, they, they took one of those and they found a way to sort of, um, for lack of a better word, dehydrate it and put it into a negative shape uh, and then have it uh, have this particular tattoo transfer sort of backing on it. And what mm-hmm. it basically took was where you used to have to take uh, a clay sculpture of a, of a scar, and then you'd make a mold off of that, and then you'd cast it in foam latex with the actor's face underneath it, and then you'd bake that in an oven, and now you'd pull that, and then you'd have to glue it on their face, and then you'd have to blend all the edges. The edges are really tough. You've got to add material and, and try and make and sure that you're going over the ridge. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. Tedious. Yeah, yeah. Really tedious, really time-consuming. Um, you know, what they did is they said, now you could take your mold and spatulate this material in it, put this transfer material on the back, dehydrate it, uh, and then peel the transfer off, put it on someone's face, slide that away, activate it with alcohol, and then just basically melt away the edge. And That's- it really revolutionized how they do a lot of scar applications and things like that. And, and um, it, it's... Uh, it's, it's amazing stuff. And it's a cool step forward. It, it sped up the process immensely. So I'm sure there's still other stuff like that out there to, to happen. And, um, yeah, it'll be neat to see what the next one is. So you talk a lot about molds and like your community, which I imagine it's like, have you heard this mold is around or like someone (laughs) has this mold? Is there a certain mold that's like the Holy grail that you're like looking to get your hands on at some point? Uh, Oh man. Um, I mean, you know, for me, anything cantina, if, if any of those, those old cantina monsters, putting it out in the universe for you, we're manifesting right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I would love to see some of that stuff turn up. You know, there's, um, you know, there's a handful of cantina aliens that, um, that haven't turned up most of, yeah. I, I, so for me, one of my big collecting passions is the Star Wars Cantina, it's the original mm-hmm. props from the movie and masks and things like that. For years, I've been tracking that stuff down. And um, there's a few other collectors that do as well. And there's a handful uh, of, you know, out of, out of dozens of monsters made for that amazing scene. There's a handful that are still missing. I think it'd be really neat for any of those to turn up that it, it's always amazing when something kind of comes out of the woodwork and it's just like, like you said, like, Oh, did you hear they found blank? You know, Um, it's really, really cool. I'm I'm always keeping my ears open for that sort of thing. And if anybody has any leads on any cantina holds, you let me know. (laughs) I think you just, I think you just pitched a very cool, like sort of Indiana Jones documentary. Let's go find these five pieces yeah um, yeah yeah the, the infinity Raiders stones of, the of star wars mold. monsters yeah exactly right. yeah so <laughs> um before i want to ask you about what you know what work you guys did for star wars because uh, our audience would hate us if we didn't so before i yeah. do that though do you, do you have one favorite star wars creature above all oh man like picking through sure. your children, right? Because we, we do a segment on yeah. our show called One with the Force, and we ask right. tough questions like, but I have three favorites. No, but, you got to pick one. I, I mean, I've, I, I've come to one conclusion. That's a Johnson jerk right now. No, um, <laughs> I, uh, let's see here. Oh, boy. 
I'll, I'll tell copy you save um, segments. <laughs> uh, did that? Did that just get saved? Yeah, that's gonna be the. Can we use that in the promo, please? Thank you. Um, <laughs> tell us Long Island people talk to each other. It's all right. I, right? I, come on. Um, boy, I'm looking around because I have a lot of like the the different replicas around me. I so Muff Tack is usually my go-to. Um, he's really cool. He's really furry. The late Lane Liska made him. He's unique to all the others in the type of fabrication that, that was done with him. Um, Rick Baker calls him the spider guy, I guess, because he's got all those eyeballs. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, he's got his little sausage snout thing. I mean, it's, it's right that's behind. hard to beat. That's hard to beat. If I had to pick another one, if, if someone said, you can't pick Muff Tack, that's too easy. Um, I would probably go with the Don Rickles alien. Uh, as technically his name is uh, Bomb Vimdom or Vindom, uh, the Advose. But uh, everybody I know always called him Rickles. He was, apparently that was his name on set uh, <laughs> because he kind of looks like Don Rickles. Uh, he's, he's the guy, uh, Horn Top is what John Burr calls him. He's got like one horn and big black eyes. Found um, him, yes. There's oh two of them in the in the holiday special cantina. There's a different paint job one as well. Rob Botine sculpted it. Um, it. It was a a mask that Rob had sculpted prior to Star Wars. It's heavily heavily in, influenced by um, Rick Baker's Devil Guy. You know, Rob Rob during Star Wars was like I think sixteen or seventeen or something like that. Like he was a just a giant kid, um, and. Um, and, and, you know, for him to be in there and he was sort of Rick, Rick Baker's protege at the time. He obviously, you know, looked up to him like crazy. And uh, uh, Rick and he worked on the brain guy alien. Um, I think Rick kind of started it and Rob probably finished it. Um, it was based on a little sketch that Rick did. It, it, it's funny. There's something really cool. The final brain guy has this sadness about him, this kind of haunted look um rick's original sketch he looks just real evil um you know which is, <laughs> is cool too but yeah. um i always love seeing how stuff evolves that way too like you know how do you get from concept to reality where did it change Who, whose influence was what um this is why these movies are so you know still so fascinating to all of us this is why people can do you know podcasts and talk and talk and talk about yeah. them because there's you know for every one of these Endless. characters you could be a fan of their backstory in the books. You could be a fan of what they did in the movies. You'd be a fan of what they do on the animation. You'd be a fan of how they look and who made them and what the story was about that, that got them brought to the screen. There's, you know, all these different avenues to loving this stuff. And yeah. it's, um, you know, and for the, to me, for the, endlessly fascinating. For the creators like Dave Filoni, like I think that guy, Sinatine, I don't know if that was his name, the brain guy. Uh, he was mm -hmm. used in the Clone Wars. So it's like, let's Mets. take that alien who I liked because he looked so ridiculous and let's yeah. give him an arc. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> well, so and amazing. that's it too. You know, I, I always, I, there's so many aliens that barely got seen in the cantina and barely got seen in Jabba's palace that um, it, it's always interesting to me when people start making a lot of new aliens because I just kind of go like, boy, you know, the given still never got his due. You know, I'd love to see some more of that guy or the yeah, Rickles yeah. guy. You know, it's like he's he's in there and it's a really cool design. Like, let's let's see some more of that. Let's let's yeah. incorporate these guys in a in a, you know, kind of like, you know, give, give the brain guy an art. Come on. You know? right. when, I, right. when I see the given, I think of uh, Scream. It almost yeah, yeah, feels yeah. like you, you're you think like 
somebody at some point was like, that <laughs> creature design is really crazy. I'm going to reuse this for like Halloween mask or something. So what's yeah. neat is, uh, well, I mean, Scream is, is um, I would imagine is based on, was that Munch, the, the, the print, you know? The, yeah. yeah, the Scream. Kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, um, what's that's neat what about I think the of Gibbon when I see was the, that was the Gibbon based, species, yeah. Yeah, the Gibbon was based on a, a Ralph McQuarrie sketch. And what's neat is the, the sketch doesn't look as much like, you know, the scream mask as the final mask does. Like, but, but they definitely share similarities. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, again, it's that evolution. It's, you know, you start with the Ralph McQuarrie sketch, John Berg sculpts it in clay. And, you know, where, where does it go from there? You know, John always said he just kind of called him skull guy. Like he just thought of him as a skull more than yeah, anything. Yeah, right. Um, which I mean, that's my favorite thing about, uh, you know, you talk to the people who worked on these movies, especially Rick Baker's group, every alien is a guy, you know, there's yeah, a brain yeah. guy, devil guy, uh, skull guy, <laughs> there's man guy, uh, spider guy, there's bat demon guy. Like, it's just, it's all just one of the guys. And that to me is outstanding. Yeah. Cobby's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. The bat character. Which one? Kabe. Oh yeah. 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 Adorable. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's I, you, one of Stuart Freeborn's for the movie. We made the one behind me was uh, the costume and mask were used in that, uh, the, the um, uh, Super Bowl spot. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those things that as soon as it came on screen when I was little, I was like, that's my favorite. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> just squeaking for the juice. Just the you know, juice. what's funny is uh, Debbie Lee Carrington wore that for that commercial. And she was, um, she was one of the Ewoks. Uh, for one, she was also the um, she was in Total Recall uh, for folks that know her there. And as, yes. as the Ewoks, she was in the scene. And I can't remember if she's as she I don't think she's the dead Ewok. I think she's the Ewok that like tugs on no. the other Ewok, like the saddest <laughs> scene in all of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, yeah, she was awesome. She was she was yeah, super she fun. Was, that she day. was the one trying to wake up Nanda. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just like oh no. Yeah. Uh, well, I had no idea. Up, I just oh, I can hear it. God. I can hear the scene right now in my head. Yeah. That sound. Oh. Oh god. I guess they had to have one casualty, so it didn't look that ridiculous. They had to be something, bears, right? Like I don't know. Oh, how about maybe off screen, George? I mean, come on. But um, I, I did see an interview you did on your channel because I did do some research where you spoke with Phil Tippett, John Berg, and Dennis Murin. And and you you looked like kind of like how we're looking when you're talking to us. So it's like there's always yeah. that sort of like. Uh, That's right. There commanded. are tears. <laughs> yes, there are tears. So when you talk to them, uh, and I promise to our audience, we will ask. Tom about uh, Mando and Boba Fett, I promise. But when you talk to those guys, do you feel any sort of imposter syndrome or are you one of the guys? Like, do they like, is it one of those like seniority things where they're like, you, we got to make sure you stay right here and not here. Like, how is it with those guys? I'll tell you what, with those guys, not so much. The imposter syndrome is a thing, man. Holy crap. Yeah, that's, um, it's, it's something where, Maybe it just, to me, um, it, it is important that I maintain an understanding of uh, how fortunate I am to do what I do for a living. Wow, um, that is one of the most important things to me just in general. And I think it's, um, I, I, it's something that 
I feel is important with all the folks that I work with. It's, it's one of the first things I ask people, you know, it's like if, if they're coming on an interview or something, it's like, I want to know, how do you feel about life? Do you feel fortunate in life? Because I feel like that's even, even folks that have been dealt a bad hand and maybe even those folks specifically, um, you know, having the ability to find the stuff that you've been lucky about um, keeps you going. And um, so, but yeah, I definitely, you know, there, there's plenty of times where I'm like, pinch, you know, really me, you know, or, <laughs> are, we, are you sure? Um, what's great though is, um, you know, Phil's a little intimidating in his own way, but uh, we get along. Um, but every time I hear Phil, I just think of dinosaur supervisor Phil, that meme that went around. Oh like, gosh, years, yeah. Years ago, that was like Phil, you had one job on right. Jurassic Park. It was dinosaur yep. supervisor. <laughs> if like a weird email from Phil comes through, I'll, I'll hear Christine in the other room every once in a while. Like you had one job, well, Phil. You had one you job, know? Phil. <laughs> That's all I think about. <laughs> but it, it's um, you know. John is one of the nicest people in the world, John Berg, and he's a dear friend. I, I got to know him um, a little over a decade ago, and um, we uh -huh. just connected. There's this weird resonance with the two of us. We can goof on a, on a phone call for hours, and it's just amazing. So, no, I never, ever feel it with John. I feel nothing but just support and love from that guy. Um, Dennis is also, um, you know, he's Dennis. Uh, he's, the, you know his uh, intellect is intimidating. Maybe I would call it or certainly his body of work, but I, I don't know at the core, all of us are the same. Like at the core, we're all just fans of this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and, and for me, I'm, I feel lucky that I, I, um, I like all the same stuff these guys like, because I'm also I'm a huge fan of the old Universal Monster movies. I love the old Harryhausen stuff. I love the Hammer Horror movies. Um, and, you know, all of that stuff is just, um, you know, I can geek out over that just the way I geek out over Star Wars. Um, right. You know, and I think, you know, we all share that stuff. We all feel the same passion for it. Uh, and, and when folks recognize that in each other, it smooths a lot over. And, and I definitely um, look up to all of those guys. That chat was a lot of fun. If anybody wants to look it up, it's on the Regal Robot YouTube page. And then there's a longer version of it that we put on the Tom Spina Designs YouTube page. That's the uh, one I, the, I watched. Yeah, the Regal one is only about the Cantina, uh, the, uh, sorry, the Star Wars Holochest sequence because we were making replicas of those with Phil. Um, yeah. But if you go to the Tom Spina Designs uh, YouTube channel, uh, you should be able to find it. It's probably the top video or most recent one. Um, and yeah, it's, it's December. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's it's a really it was an interesting chat, and you know to hear these guys talk about just their years in the business and the different stuff they've done, um, I I could do that all day. That that it's was a chat. Amazing. That, yeah. Man, that could have gone on forever. I was okay with it. Yeah. It's, so in in watching you talk to them. There is, and I don't know if it's an industry thing with you guys, but there is definitely a humbleness that still exists with these guys who are a fabric of the launching point of this movie franchise, let alone the other stuff they've done, but we're talking Star Wars here. Right. And, you know, you could walk by John Berg on the floor of Star Wars Celebration and he will not get stopped by 99.9% .9 of the people. But it's just like, he's one of the guys. And it's like, yeah. that that's so interesting to me in itself. So 
I guess my question is when I think of, because I'm a big fan of like Spielberg too. And I think of like Jaws and like the relationship between Quint and, um, and uh, uh, Hooper. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I see is like Hooper! Phil Tippett, Phil Tippett's like Quint where he's like, you yes. didn't have mapping technologies. We just had to <laughs> reel it in and stuff. Like, does he ever like bust your chops? Like, well, I did it and I didn't have scanning materials. Is it ever yeah, like yeah. that? Um, he's... <laughs> Uh, I've heard people call him like the grumpy uncle of the of the effects community. You know, there's a little of that. I'll tell you what, I feel that way sometimes. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not getting much younger, around, and I, I get people coming in to work with us, and I'm just like, you, you, you know, you learned how to do this. How like, you learned this on YouTube? All right. Like you know, I didn't have YouTube. I didn't, I didn't have tube. I had you know, like I had one book. Uh, it was the Tom Savini book. There was another by Dick Smith, but it wasn't as in-depth. And I, there wasn't, like, I didn't know how to get any of the materials in there. There was a list of, like, suppliers in the back that I could write a letter to. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, you, you can go online and go to Monster Makers and talk to Arnold and get whatever you need. Like, what the hell? You the accessibility know? I mean, is cheating. crazy today. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. As you or, probably crush a, a can of Narragansett beer. and, and, and Yeah. Or yeah. like, just to mention, just yeah. like, social media Um, in general like that was the whole thing with twitter when they launched is they said you know they wanted people to be able to text uh, a celebrity or a a presidential candidate or something like that and they literally get it like on their phone like you are reaching out to the person directly (laughs) kind of thing the the internet has democratized a lot of the creative arts that's well um and it's a really cool thing look I mean, it's given me the opportunity to do all the stuff I do. There's no, there were, you know, prior to this, there was no reaching your audience unless you happen to get, you know, that one in a million thing where you got a TV show or something like that. Right. Or a um, radio thing. Yeah. Yeah. Print. You know, so it's print. like, now, what's print? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, now it's, it's, you know, Everybody is at, at least on the at the start is on the same level. It's all going out on the same platform. Now you know whatever else happens behind the scenes and where it goes from there. That's that's its own thing. And but um, it definitely gives folks a, an opportunity that just didn't exist mm-hmm, twenty five mm-hmm. years ago. Right. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. And to think like it's sort of everything's sort of come full circle in terms of Star Wars because. In watching some of the making of The Mandalorian, you know, Phil Tippett was sort of um, reeled back in. Uh, he was mm-hmm. very interested in some of the stuff John Favreau was interested in, like the throwback stop motion, make things not necessarily look smooth, right? Uh, like, like, like um, the blurgs and how they would run and and that yeah. sort of thing. And I believe Phil Tippett was involved with an ATAT moving or something in season two. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but like seeing I, those I, guys come back around, yeah. Uh, and you being involved, like, can you touch on that? Like being involved today in uh, Mandalorian or, or Book of Boba Fett and, and what that's like for you and, 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 and just let our audience know kind of what you may have contributed uh, to those series. Yeah, I, I, you know, we are, I keep using the word lucky. We're very lucky to be this tiny, tiny, tiny contribution to these shows. I don't want anybody to blow anything out of proportion, but, um, but yeah. I, I was excited hearing about Mando when it was in, in progress. You know, you'd hear the, the Huckleberry code name talked about with different things and stuff. And um, 
the um, I, I knew some of the folks from doing uh, some conservation and display work uh, that were in charge of the, the current Lucasfilm prop, prop archives, um, not the Skywalker Ranch archives, as, which, you know, we've done all our, our restoration work with and stuff and been very, um, you know, really, really cool stuff there. But um, through some of them, they were helping track some things down for the production. Um, and they knew that I, you know, had molds for certain things or knew a lot of people that made different things. So, you know, we'd get a call and be like, can you get us four scout blasters? Or do you know where we could get a boss blaster? Can we get a bunch of comm links? Um, you know, uh, we had molds for a, a Todakia, the, um, you know, the gaffy stick. Um, and so the, the, the um, Sam people in the first Mandalorian uh, season, I, I guess that was probably episode five where they first show up. Um, yep. They're both holding these gaffy sticks that were made out of this mold that I had. Um, oh, man. So, and so cool. uh, I think the macro binoculars we sent them to in that episode. Uh, oh, and the cantina bar. Uh, so in the, behind the bar is all the IG-88 heads. Those mm -hmm. uh, yeah. came out of a mold that we've got that uh, Gordon Tarpley chromed up uh, to, to send the show. Actually, we might have given them raw ones. I'll have to look back. We've, we've done a lot of those. So we've done those for different... Um, recreations of the cantina and things like that we did them for star wars land uh so if anybody goes into Oga's cantina the the chromed ig heads in the bar and there's, there's like this alternate canister there's like you know maybe you 18 guys, of them or yep. 20 of them at each park we did those and the ones we did that some... have like animals in them and stuff no no these are just like they look like drink oh, dispensers cool. or something oh, they're like okay, all yeah. that yeah, decoration yeah. behind the cantina they're the, cool. I, um, they look like ig88 head is what you're saying yes yeah, yeah. it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. part yeah, I've it's seen the them. the yeah. Um, you know, the, the flame tube from a Derwent yeah. uh, airplane engine, you know, the Rolls Royce engine. Um, and then uh, the outer combustion canister is the other one. So mm -hmm. uh, for the, the Star Wars Land project, we did, we modeled that other version. Gordon Tarpley did, did uh, copies of that. Um, we made some cantina band instruments and things like that that turned up in the parks. There was some other stuff we did for the shows that never turned up. Uh, we did the Kubaz in the first episode, the flute guy. So that was our mask. Oh, yes. Um, he turns That's up in cool. season, in episode four, too, I think, mm -hmm. as well, uh, as a bounty hunter with new goggles. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then uh, for Book of Boba, we did a couple of things in Jabba's Palace, which you never really got to see. So I'm going to hold off on talking about it. But they're really cool, and they were big, and I was kind of – one of those little heartbreaks where it's like, oh man, I know they're there. Turn the camera, turn the camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the, uh, the, the cool thing here, Brian Sipe, um, I think it's Gamut is his uh, production name, but uh, he's uh, just, you know, really, really great guy. Makeup artist has a wonderful team. They did a lot of the makeup on season, uh, on uh, Book of Boba season one. Um, they had come to us to get some of the classic aliens, which, you know, we had these molds for. Why yeah. reinvent the wheel? We, you know, somebody's got them and, and we're already a vendor and doing stuff. So um, they reached out to us and, and uh, Pat at the shop cast up out of the old molds, I think. Um, a couple of band guys, a Don Rickles guy, uh, <laughs> a Cabe uh, Chandra fan, Bat guy there, and um, 
what the heck else? Oh, Mosep, which one, that's one of my favorites. It's a weird alien. He was Jabba the Hutt in the comics, though. And I just always mm-hmm. thought that one was cool. Um, <laughs> did I say Snaggletooth? We did a Snaggletooth, too. It was a holiday mm-hmm. special style Snaggletooth. I think they made her female because they had, like, long hair and a hood and stuff. It was, it was a neat choice. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, we just sent them blanks on those. And then Brian's team did, uh, you know, really cool paint-ups and hair on all of them. I love seeing that. <laughs> You know, some people get real precious about things. It's like, no, I made it. It's got to be a certain way. I love giving someone a blank of something and seeing what they do with it because I'm like, I, I'm limited to, like, I want to make it the way it looked in the first movie. Like, I want to see someone put some imagination into this. I don't always have that. <laughs> Let me see what you can do with this. And that I was going to gonna be... say, sorry. Go ahead, Lisa. I'm sorry. Um, I was going to say that one of the most interesting things that we've been discussing throughout this thread that I've been hearing from you is the community that surrounds this is just such a cool one. And I truly appreciate that every time you mention a creature or a monster, you mention the person that made it. It's like such a touch that I really appreciate because it's like, it takes two seconds to say, and you you make sure to say it. And I just really love that because I know with us, it's so important to build these communities and and to find your people, especially I think the internet has probably helped you with that as we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. So to hear how close this community is and just, hearing you being like, ah, this person made by this person, this thing made by this person. Like, I just love that. And I just wanted to let you know. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's as, as important as the character is where did it come from? Um, And, and yeah, that's uh, good. Good of you to notice. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It has to be sort of freeing in a way to be able to let go of things too, the way you, um, the way your your makeup is where, where you say like some people are control freaks and like no the hair has to be blah 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 like the the amount of stuff you make and just send off if you were that way you'd probably be insane you'd probably hate your job ah you know it's funny i uh, i would love for anyone that works for me to hear you say that because they would fight you to the <laughs> end i man am i i i can be such a, a hover boss sometimes when it comes to this stuff especially when we are so right now especially so this is being recorded we're about two days away from putting our stuff in a crate for star wars celebration um you know today was pretty much like come right from the studio 10 p.m at night get home do the podcast um and and that's the way it's kind of been the last uh, little bit but you know like when we do something like uh do the paint mastering on like uh certain things uh some of these new prototypes that we're going to be showing at star wars celebration um i this is stuff where it's like this is going to be the first time people see this stuff or if we're doing a paint master especially because i'm like that's what everybody's going to copy as we make the rest of these this has to be right and sometimes it means you have to strip it down completely or you have to make a new casting and start over because you know once you put certain layers of paint on there's not go there's no going back and if we're going to produce these and every one of them has to look the same we've got to use the same sequence of paints we have to put them in this not just the same color but in the same yeah. order um because there's translucency in each layer and yeah. if you don't get that it's not going to work and oh, if you wow. if you do something different in that first one well, when you make all the other ones, you're never going to be able to match it. So it really is about, you know, sometimes being a, My anxiety a huge is pain peaking, in the butt. Just <laughs> hearing you talk about it. Yeah. 
Anxiety. Yeah, it's like, oh god. Yeah, someone, someone, someone's crying right now at home. Oh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is it, so when when there's a call for certain creatures and stuff, and like, I, I gotta ask you too. Like, uh, you seem that the Chalmers Cantina seems to be your holy grail for Star Wars. So when they did recreate that uh, mm-hmm. with Dave Filoni's episode, I think it was the Gunslinger. Uh, like yep. you were saying, Chapter Five. Were you like? this <laughs> is that the is that bullet yeah. hole there right uh, you know you know that sort of thing like were you able to look at it as a fan or were you like analyzing it frame by frame like had you just as a fan who also you creates how do you experience the return of the cantina you know the first watch i was able to kind of sit back a little bit because i was absorbed in the story i wanted to see where this was going um it was a cool episode just in general um but yeah, I mean, immediately after it's it's that it's you know frame by frame stuff, and um, I, I was also just excited because I walked in the bar and there's R.I.G. heads, or as he's walking in the bar, the the logo over the door, which was something that no one knew what that was. Pablo and I tried to figure that out for years, and uh, Brandon Allinger from Prop Store had an old photo that Roger Christian provided him that ostensibly was just the picture of a dewback's butt, um, which I mean, on its own is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But we noticed that in the background of that shot was the sign over the cantina with the light off. And even with the light off though, you could finally make out the characters uh, on that sign. We, we jokingly call it the Spaga sign because it looks a little like an S, a P, a G, and an A. It's really just art. Uh, like all the stuff in the first movie, there was no RMS yet. There was no, you know, weird writing or anything it was just, like this that. This looks they, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was just stuff that was aesthetically cool and interesting. And, um, and I, I would guess that was probably John Barry, um, you know, or Roger Christian had some to do with, but uh, Roger, uh, but uh, John Barry would have been more on the, the art side of it. Anyway. Um, so, you know, to see that, like, we were like, Oh my gosh, there it is. And so Chris Reif, uh, who's part of, if you guys ever heard of parts of Star Wars, uh, it's, look them up. It's amazing. The Facebook group is actually probably the best way to get it now. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a website, I believe it's parts of sw.com, but it's a very outdated, like it's a, it's like a, a <laughs> mid nineties, late nineties website. Um, but <laughs> these are guys that obsessed over the things that things in star wars were made from the real world items that were used to create this galaxy far far away and it's it's amazing stuff and so chris uh it's uh, chris travis chris right both star wars authors and and illustrators and stuff and and really great guys known forever and uh so yeah so they helped recreate that logo and we showed it off at one of the star wars conventions and then when the mando scene was coming up uh they reached out and they were like hey do you have the art for that and i was like i know where you're going you know um, wow. so we sent them the art to put on the sign over the door and uh and what was cool is in in mando when he walks in they gave us a nice clear shot of it you know in, in star Love wars it. they only ever gave it like you only ever saw half of it so yeah, i pulled it that up was now pretty it's cool this red and blue lettering yes 
Yeah. yeah, just while you were like, oh, go take a look at it. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. funny you're saying it, like, as I pulled it up, the very clear shot right there, right as he's walking in. Yeah, yeah the Mando one, it's like, it's insane. What's what's great is if you go to, you know, let's just say regalrobot.com slash Star Wars and go to the decor page, <laughs> we actually make a wood plaque with that art on it now. And nice. to me, that's the cool thing, like stealth me geek. Me too, yeah. Put it on the wall. Nobody knows what that is. It just looks like some kind of weird modern art but like you and all your friends can just be like Mando episode five, eh? Star Wars A New Hope, got it? You know? Dude, let, let, so if you, uh, again, you're going to hate me, but I, I, I like- I like, Already I like do, put, it's good. That's all right. <laughs> uh, I like putting you in these situations. If you had to uh, pick one or two items from Real Robot that you're like, check this out. Okay. It's, it's the nerdiest of nerdiest, the awesomest of awesomest. Where Ooh. would you point people to on your site and be like, check this item out? You got to check this out. Um, With the exception of see. later today. Yeah. <laughs> and not yeah, CZ3. Off, wait, wait till about, you know, 3 p.m. Eastern and check that. And um, next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wink. You're going to hurt yourself there. And, um, <laughs> so... Uh, let's see here. I, I think just for the sheer amount of work that went into it, um, the, uh, the hollow chest prop replica set that we did, which is in the uh, custom character studio on the website. When you go to the regalrobot.com slash Star Wars, it brings you to a four up page. One will take you to really cool decor and stuff like that. One will take you to furniture, which is kind of the more standard stuff, director chairs. Although, of course, being us, we have to put in like Revenge of the Jedi and Blue Harvest and all of yeah, that stuff it. on the director yeah. chairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and these really cool cafe tables. Um, then and there's a solo. section for yeah. custom furniture, which is like our Emperor Throne replicas and that the Han Solo and Carbonite tables and all of that mm -hmm. stuff that we've kind of got known for, at least originally. Um, and then the custom character studios, all the collectible stuff, the maquettes, the replica props, the replica characters. Um, so if you go there, the uh, the hollow chest prop replica signature set um, is is you know if, if you want to pick one item um, it was the the plaques are signed by John Berg Phil Tippett and Dennis Murin um, we made a great video with the three of them just talking about the scene and picking their brains about stop motion and their their love for all of this stuff um, that was a great the, video the too figures, by the way what was that such a great video of them saying like oh, oh was it this guy. Oh, it was the green guy. I like the green guy. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> Love it. One of the guys, right? But yeah. so, you know, what we did there was we took Phil's digital that they did when they were making Force Awakens. They scanned a lot of the original props, uh, the original puppets that still exist, and uh, sent us that digital for our replicas. Um, and we went through and then did a ton of work uh, accurizing some of those because they had to, you know, take some liberties mm -hmm. for what they were doing or for how they were going to use them. <laughs> Took them from T-Pose, which is uh, the, you know, sort of arms out, legs together pose that, mm -hmm. that they do for something you're going to mold and cast traditionally for uh, an armature piece um, and put them in cool poses that made sense for each of the characters. And a lot of times fit their, what we like to call like the ready pose, which is how each of them sort of stand in on like the in board when they're game. not in motion. Um, yeah. And oh, gotcha. then just spent so, so much time making sure that every single one of those was, 
right in every detail was reproducible, mm -hmm. that we got the paint colors right, that we got, I mean, nine months of nonstop work went into that set. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm really, really proud of what we did there. And Phil gave us, it's hanging on the wall in the studio. Uh, Phil sent us a picture of him with the whole set and he's just like this, which is, you know, <laughs> like his happy face. Uh, and then below it, it says like, you know, Fantastico, uh, my, my uh, kudos to everybody involved. Give my regards to the, you know, all teams. And, you know, he just gave us this glowing review. He's, and, and, and you know, he's, he said to a few people, he's like, it's, it's, you know, if I didn't touch him, I wouldn't know it wasn't the real thing. Um, oh my God. And like that just, oh my God, you know, that just means the absolute world to, to me and everybody that works with us and all the work that we put into it feels so good when something like that happens. Yeah. Like there's a guy that knows, you know, yeah. Yeah. what right. those props are like and to make him get that feeling, to make him open the box and feel like he's looking at those props again. Like that's, we did it. We did it right there. He's the guy that call in on Pawn Stars and says, is this legit? And right. he's like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's legit. yeah. <laughs> yeah right. um, so yeah, I'm looking so there's, at, there's one. <laughs> I'm looking at the site. You have Bidlow Quirves Skull uh, with the Rancor Gate Control Magnet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's insane. And you have that. Uh, was, yeah, it's a little magnet. Uh, you know, that was one of the tougher ones to get through Lucasfilm, too. I, we love the obscure stuff. We, mm -hmm. you know, I, we try to look at everything in a new light. You know, we try and say, how can this become useful? You know, if you go to the, the custom furniture studio, uh, Rich Riley thought of this great idea years ago with me where it was like, what if you took the Falcon flying through the asteroids and had the asteroids a little bit flat topped and you put a piece of glass on it and it's a coffee table. And it's just like, okay, yeah, we could do that. And, you know, we, we figure out how to do that. Or, you know, when we had our first Star Wars celebration, I said, we need to do something. I want something interactive. I want something that could be a big sculptural piece because everybody hears Star Wars furniture and they think it's like, a stool with a Star Wars logo on it, you yeah, know? Sure. Yeah. And Spencer I'm like, gifts. how do we get people to know that we're we're like effects guys making Star Wars furniture? And so we we said, okay, let's make a photo op for Star Wars Celebration where it's a furniture piece that people can sit in or sit on or next to or interact with somehow. And we came around to Rich's just kind of said something like, you know, well, what about a do-back, but it's a sofa? And, and we were just like, that's it, boys, go home. We've done it. You yeah. know, like <laughs> We've got our idea. Uh, because, I mean, immediately I go like, well, I know who's got a casting of the do-back from the movie that we can scan. Um, oh, man. And, you know, that was really the first piece we ever did with 3D, uh, 3D scanning. And, um, you know, that was really really cool and, and we had fun with that design and we we made it this really neat interesting thing that nobody would ever do uh, mm -hmm. no one had seen before and then tons of people came in and and sat on and took photos with at celebration and that was just it was so much fun and what a way to kind of announce ourselves you know like oh my god yeah like we needed a I, I wanted something that people could see and immediately know who we were and if if you want there's your second piece john since you made me pick two pieces you monster <laughs> um, <laughs> is the do back sofa because you look at it and you know 
that we only take ourselves seriously so far and then the rest <laughs> is just ridiculous. <laughs> oh man, I'm looking at the dewback sofa right now. I mean, that is a, a man cave. I gotta, I gotta replace that with a dewback Incredible. sofa. Yeah. Now you know who um, to call. <laughs> I do, yeah, and it's not Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> I like that Darth Vader task. Thank you. Uh, do you mean cool. the the Imperial one with Vader's helmet sculpt, or do you mean the meditation chamber? I mean the meditation chamber because, yeah. I mean, it's coming over the top, but more importantly, what's interesting to me is how uh, you you might actually like be sitting at that desk and you turn around to start doing your work. You know, and it's, like, <laughs> it's just there. And yeah. the helmet's a lamp. It looks so Love good, that. yeah. Yeah, cool. that, was, that was one of those ones where the customer came to us. Uh, it's a tattoo artist. Really good tattooist, does great Star Wars tattoos. And she, uh, Brandy Bruce, she had, um, she had this idea. She wanted a workstation, she wanted a desk. And we, we just kicked around a bunch of different ideas um, and, uh, and eventually settled on the idea of the meditation chamber. And I'm just like, well, if we're doing that, you know, you need a crane lamp that has the helmet on it and we'll just put yes. the mold in the helmet. Um, we had fun with that. What I like about that is it's not as literal as it appears. Um, it looks very replica-y when you just glance at it, but it's, it's very faceted. And we, we boiled the elements down in a way that it could be made with traditional millwork and not have to be a big fiberglass cast piece or something like that, or made the way you would for a movie where it would probably be like, you know, some Luan board and a bunch of uh, vac form panels stapled to it that on screen look amazing. But when, if you, if anybody ever looked at it, they would go like, Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> um, but so we came up with this way of doing it. That was, you know, uh, really nice millwork, all, uh, um, you know, quality wood with, uh, with laminate like you would have on a countertop. Uh, so it's super durable and super tough and, uh, and yet still looks the part. You know, we, we pulled in it the does. inspiration and the elements without necessarily doing a replica that, you know, for starters, would have cost many times more just from the, the development of the molds and everything like that, um, but also made it a little bit unique in the same, at the same time, which I, I like that. I love taking... Um, elements out of something and turning them into something rather than just saying, oh, here's a prop replica of this. You know, the prop replica stuff is its own thing and it's a lot of fun. But when it comes to the furniture stuff, I, I like to make, you know, how do, we, how do we pull some function out of this and how do we do it in a way that is um, furniture-y as well right. as propping? Well, it makes me want to force choke an admiral just looking at it. So <laughs> you, you get the job done, man. Even uh, the one guy remotely, you know, through the yes, uh, yeah. Gosh, um, so, <laughs> I so so you'll be at a celebration. Uh, yeah. I I know we talked about it in our our video that's gonna be coming out later today at booth two five one eight. Um, do you have anything correct? Yeah, anything at your booth that you can reveal uh, now that people can or can go check out if they're going to celebration? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're gonna have a whole. Oh, oh nope. The feed's breaking up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to reveal anything. Um, we. I unfortunately, I am. I am. Uh, I'm muzzled when it comes to that stuff right now. Uh, but um, 
you know, check back the week before Star Wars Celebration. Join us on social. Go to at Regal Robot on your favorite thing, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, whatever. Um, and uh, uh, we'll be doing a reveal week, uh, the Monday to Friday of the week before the show. So I believe that's the 16th to the 19th uh, or 20th. And um, you'll get to see what we have in store for the show. Awesome. We well, have we we have a lot. It's a, there's going to be there's some really really cool things. Some great uh, you know it's a, a range from you know I, I'll be able to say this you know from uh, actual legitimate limited edition high end collectible which you guys might be revealing later today um, <laughs> to you know the the twenty dollar takeaway item that has that cool stealth geek factor. To a that's where of I'm at. Give me the small items that I put on a shelf that someone goes, what is that? That's what yep. I love. That's my that's, thing. And we, we've got <laughs> some of that. And we've got one piece. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll want to, once we reveal it, I'd love to get your take on, on one piece in, in particular. Uh, I, it's something I came up with and that uh, Sean Fields did a beautiful digital sculpt and then the team did just a great job uh, doing all the production on them. They've been going absolutely bonkers making these because we, we know we're going to go through a lot of them and we want to make sure that we have enough so that at least, you know, 50 or 75 people a day get a chance to get one. Um, so, uh, so yeah, keep an eye out on at Regal Robot on your favorite social. We'll be revealing stuff soon. And if you're at the show, come by booth 2518, say hi. Tell me you saw me here so I know if it's worth hanging out with these guys again or, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Yo, I ran to that. your booth yeah. to get the Jabba Doornacker magnet, so uh -huh. I'll be running yeah. there again. Uh, we'll, be, we'll, be sending, <laughs> we'll be sending our people to your booth for sure uh, because nice. uh, just like us, that, I mean, we're all just gigantic nerds in the best way possible. So, um, so also, uh, yeah. Uh, TomSpinaDesigns.com, RegalRobot.com. Uh, yep. Like Tom said, booth 2518. Why couldn't you get booth 1138? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, uh, I'll have to, I'll have to write an email or something. I'll let you Next know. time. You know what? <laughs> I, one other thing, and I should probably say this, otherwise someone at the shop will be mad at me for not mentioning it. Um, if you really are, don't want to miss out on this cool stuff we're about to announce, uh, go to the Regal Robot website and just put your email in the, in the oh, newsletter yeah, list. Yeah. Like we send maybe one or two emails out a month, you know, during Star Wars celebration, maybe there'll be one a week or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and if we ever do a sale, that's where we announce it. If we ever have a coupon, which is rare, but we just did it for May the 4th, uh, that's where we announce it. If there's something new coming out, that's where we announce it. So if you want to be like in the in the know club, if you want to, you know, hear about this stuff first, that's how you do it. And and trust me, we won't spam you. And if we do, just unsubscribe. We don't care. <laughs> they don't spam. I'm on the newsletter. They don't spam. And, and for, for our, you know, most of our listeners are audio listeners. I would say about 80% or so. Um, for, for this episode and, and the video we're obviously going to put out later, uh, even if you're listening to this now, check out the video version. Uh, just, just for Tom's background alone and some of the other stuff he showed us. Uh, it's been, it's been, uh, really great. So Tom, first of all, I want to thank you for your time. Really appreciate yeah. it very much. My I pleasure. Know Thanks for having me. Running all over Long Island, uh, uh, yeah. as, as, <laughs> as the week goes on, as we get closer to celebration, we look forward yeah. to seeing you at celebration. And is there anything else, uh, that you can plug or tell people about, or, or are you, are you good to go? Oh, I, th I think we've plugged everything we need to. I just thank you so much for having me. We're really, really, really fun chat. Thanks. And, uh, 
I, you oh, know, thank ho- you. hopefully we can chat again someday. There's always more, more to talk about when it comes Let's to Star do Wars. Only Muppets. <laughs> I'm there. Yeah. I'm so there. Forget I mean, Star Wars. Let's do Muppets. We should do, yeah, we should do something just for our like patrons or something that is not even Star. Sometimes we talk about like Taco Bell time. Like, we, we, we go all over the place on this, on yeah. this podcast. Can we do a White Castle episode? Now you're cooking, my man. Get those dice onions in those sliders. All right. Now okay. you're thinking in squares. That's you know what's funny? Star Wars Celebration Chicago, me and James... Yeah. Uh, went to White Castle because I missed it so much because there's not enough oh, here in Connecticut. So there you go, man. Um, but before well, we get out I, here, I, I'm going to be heading to In and Out Burger in a couple of weeks. That's all I know. Yep. I'm yes. excited for that. Us too. I love it. Us too. No question. Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, we do want to say uh, a special thank you to our uh, patrons at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast to uh, keep the keep the show going. We do two shows a week and, and a lot of other stuff. And so we want to give us a, a special shout out to some of them real quickly. Uh, our generals, Carmelo, Jeremy Myers, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Paul Olson, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, John Charlton, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Double C, Chris, Chris White, Brandon McLaughlin and Val Trichkoff and David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Micah Harrison, Thomas Hennessy, and Andrew Staley as our spice runners. Thank you all so much. For all of your support, uh, StarWarsNewsNet.com for your Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. You know where to find our podcast. Uh, I'm at Johnny Hoey on Twitter uh, and Star Wars NewsNet and uh, my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies. Uh, Lacey. People could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. James. And of course, Twitter and Instagram just is the same. Always at Meyer Trunks. All right. And Tom, uh, Twitter, What's well, where are you at on Twitter? Uh, it's just at Tom Spina Designs and at Regal Robot. That's where to get me. All right, Tom, thank you very much for joining us. You are you have a key to the resistance space. Anytime you want to come back, we really appreciate it. And <laughs> we look forward to, we'll see you uh, very soon at Celebration, my man. So we really I, I appreciate it. Wait. It's been an honor. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's a lot of fun. Talk soon. All right, thanks. <laughs>